the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. As this is a church that exists to help people just like you. Find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in a series called Master Plan, and far too often our plans are messed up and mixed up because we're aiming at the wrong target. Pastor Sean Azar wants you to consider how you will readjust your sights on the way to God's master plan. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free, but please, if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, we hope you do, there's a place to give at reallife.org. Today it's part one of a message called Working the Plan. 2 Timothy chapter 2 is where Pastor Sean starts off. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. Uh, Last week we saw how a new vision always requires a new plan. And when we come to follow Christ, our life is given a new vision. We saw there are some main components of the plan that comes with that vision. Well, I brought a set of plans out here. How many of you ever had to interact with blueprints? Some, Some way, work, home, yeah. You've handled blueprints. So you know how they work. You kind of have the top page, which is generally kind of a master plan. It's, it's, the, it's the beginning of the plan. The top plan is your, your, kind of your main big picture, and then all the others are what we'd call subplans. You have an electrical plan. The electricians have their design, and it all has to align with the big picture, the main plan. You have a foundation plan, which has to support the whole thing, obviously. You have plumbing and fixtures. You have cabinetry. Everything that goes into a house or a commercial building is going to be found in the blueprints. And the picture is all of these sub plans, they all support the big plan. That's how it works. All of these, all of these sub pages support the big plan. And what we've been discussing that we all have a master plan for our lives that God wants to build us in. The problem is often these sub plans of ours aren't like this at all. We've all got them, but they don't necessarily work together with the master plan. In fact, fact, it feels like sometimes they're not related at all. Like your career plan, you know, we have a career plan in the context of our master plan. Well, sometimes it actually conflicts and seems like it undermines the family plan, which is completely out of alignment with our goals and dreams and our travel plan. And all of that is messed up with our education plan and whatever other plan we have. And that's not how God designed it. And the problem is we end up feeling like we're in this constant tug of war where there's just never enough time. So we've got all this stuff we're trying to cram in, but all these plans are pulling against each other. What happens? You end up feeling guilty, don't you? You feel like you're cheating everyone. feel like you got these teams and your boss and stuff at work and you're kind of moving this direction and you've got great plans and ideas, but then at home... It feels like this is taken away from this and you and your wife and your kids have some plans and these aren't helping each other. And your stuff at church and your ministry plans and they're out of alignment and it feels like you're just always a little bit behind. 
I'm going to suggest that's not how God designed us. In fact, the point of this whole series is to make sure all of our plans work together and serve the one plan, the master plan. Now, there's a couple scriptures I want to look at this morning that I think give us some guidance. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2, I'm going to pick up at verse 4. Paul is writing to a young leader, a young pastor that he's planted, he's established in a church. His name's Timothy. And he's trying to help Timothy understand some of the keys to Christian leadership, the Christian walk, the Christian journey. And here he's talking specifically about, yeah, there's hardship that comes with following Jesus and leading people to follow Jesus. It's not all easy. And he's trying to talk to Timothy about being aware of that, making the choices, and counting the cost. Look what he says beginning at verse 4. He says, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but he rather he tries to please his commanding officer. That's really important. Note the phrases. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. Note the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. And then he says this. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. That's interesting. So he gives us these three pictures, and then he says, reflect on this. The Lord will give you insight. In fact, let's take a moment, let's stop and pray and ask the Lord to do that. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you want to say to us. And I pray that as we reflect on these and some other scriptures this morning, that you would give us insight and that you would say what you want to say. We trust you. Help us to listen and respond in obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Paul wants to speak to Timothy about the the kind of tough decisions he's going to have to make, and so he uses three different illustrations. Okay, He talks about a soldier who doesn't get entangled in civilian affairs but has to please his commanding officer. So the soldier automatically understands I'm, I'm having to make some different choices and I'm following a different leader. That's what he alludes to. I'm following a different leader. And he responds to that leader. Then he talks about an athlete. He says the athlete doesn't win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. So while the soldier understands there's a whole different thing because I'm following a different leader, the athlete understands there's a whole different set of rules that have to apply. And then he talks about a farmer. The hard-working farmer should be, should be the first to receive the share of the crops. See, there's work involved. And there are laws of nature that the farmer has to work in and align with. And so what he's doing is he's taking the three different pictures and looking at the same idea through different lenses. It's like he's, he's wanting to show Timothy and just, just looking at this thing from different facets, like different facets of a diamond, so that he understands this is important. Then he says, just stop, think about that, because the Lord will give you insight. I think in Luke chapter 9, Jesus gives us some insight because he says something that is related. Not Luke 9, beginning at verse 57. We're told Jesus and his followers were walking along the road, and a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. That's an unusual response. I'll follow you wherever. What Jesus says is, Count the cost. Count the cost. This, is, but this isn't Jesus kind of on, on a bad day bumming. He says, well, yeah, you know, yeah, whatever, you can follow me, but I don't even have a house. It's pretty, it's, you know, terrible to be me. But Jesus is not moping here. He's wanting to communicate something. He's saying, count the cost. 
He said to another man, now interesting, the first man came to him and said, I'll follow you. He says to another, he invites him, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Ooh, getting kind of prickly there, aren't you, Jesus? Now, whether the man was talking about he had an immediate funeral to go to because his father passed away, or my father's very old, and, and let, me, let me take care of him until he passes away, and then, then I'll be free, Jesus. Then, then I'm in. Either way, Jesus is pretty strong in what he says. Still another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand on the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So these three different deals, and let me just say, this is a tough passage. This is one of those passages that we, we sometimes, it's so hard, we just go, oh, I don't know what to make of it. Jesus is loving, God loved the whole world, Jesus is love, so I don't know what to do with this, let's ignore it. I think sometimes we just don't know how to process that, so we ignore this passage of Scripture. Or we kind of try to do weird stuff with it and say Jesus is clearly anti-houses and funerals and family. You you think that's what Jesus is saying? Do you think he's anti-houses? No, he's not anti-houses. Because he would go visit some of his followers who had homes. We were told he was in a home of someone who was one of his followers. Is he anti-funerals? No. Jesus attended funerals. Now, he he could really screw up a funeral because he would raise the dead and that would... Okay. All this money spent, now we're going to have to do it again down the road. (laughs) But he attended funerals, so Jesus is not anti-homes, he's not anti-funerals, he's definitely not anti-family. Scripture talks about the importance of family. In fact, when we talk about the church, it often compares us to a family. Jesus is not anti any of those. No, what he's talking about is counting the cost. Everything costs something. If you pursue one, you can't pursue the other. There's just so many hours in the day. There's so many decisions and that we have to make. It involves one thing over the other. See, what we're talking about is decisions and priorities. And that involves some hard choices. Working and living God's master plan always comes down, hear me on this, to a series of daily decisions. And that's the hard part for us. I think sometimes we want to make a decision that, okay, it's taken care of. Don't have to think about that anymore. It doesn't work that way. See, we're moving from the design phase to the building phase. If you're taking notes, take, write this down. Building, the master plan happens one decision at a time. That's how this master plan that God has for you and I is actually put into motion. That's how it becomes something. The life he created us for the life he intended. It happens one decision at a time. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, the listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called Working the Plan. The series is called Master Plan, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 
302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now back to the message, Working the Plan. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. You know, we all deal with tons of decisions. I don't even, I mean, we could guesstimate all of them. We could speculate how many decisions we have to make in a week. It's got to be in the hundreds, probably sometimes more, of decisions we make. The master plan happens one decision at a time. Now, how do you make decisions? When you have to kind of make a difficult or challenging decision, how do you actually do that? You get the yellow pad out, you know, put the yellow pad out and draw the line of the middle pros and cons. That's a good, that's a, that's not a bad method, right? The yellow pad method. And all I know is if my pros list outweighs my cons list, I'm going to do it. And if it's the other way around, I'm not going to do it. And if they're close, well, then this didn't help anything because I'm still conflicted. How do you make decisions? What process do you go through? Business News Daily talked about some different ways. In fact, they shared about the University of Massachusetts at Dartmouth, which outlined seven basic steps in effective decision-making. Here they were. And by the way, I looked at a number of different lists that were similar. Identified the decision to be made, so be clear on that. What's the decision? Gather all the relevant information. Make sure you know what you need to know to make the decision. Identify alternatives, number three. What other possibilities are there? Number four, weigh the evidence. That's where you really dial down and consider. Number five, choose among your alternatives. Okay, we're going to go with this one. Number six, take action. See, taking action is part of the decision. And then number seven, review decision and consequences. So there were a number of these. In fact, Oprah actually had one of these similar type lists. I'm sure it's how she's deciding whether or not she'll run for president. So it's good to know she's got a process. See, the basic ideas are similar. And, of course, Business News Daily was focusing on business. And they talked about some other things, the, the decision matrix, an actual matrix where you write down all the possibilities and all the ramifications of those. A T-chart. You know the yellow pad isn't just the yellow pad? It's actually called a T-chart. I feel a little bit better about that. It's official. A T-chart where you've got the pros and cons, the positives and the negatives. You know, multi-voting is when there's other people involved and you just really get people in and you start voting on aspects of a decision. Cost-benefit analysis, is it worth the cost to make the decision? The SWAT, you familiar with SWAT? Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats? That's actually a good evaluation kind of tool. All different kind of ways that we make decisions. And see, when you're talking about God's master plan for our lives and understanding that there are decisions every single day, um, you kind of, I hope, sit up a little straighter. Because this is extremely practical. Every day we all make decisions. 
We tell someone or something yes, and then we tell someone or something no. And as practical and as obvious as this is, a lot of believers struggle with this. We struggle actually applying this to the stuff where we live. Like, do you know God in your career? When it comes to your career, do you know God has a design and a plan for your professional life? Do you understand what it is and how to follow it? A whole lot of people just go into their professional life and it's just like, well, I know my boss has a design and a plan and I'm kind of part of that and our team, we're really excited about some things and you're moving on that professional plan. Do you understand that God put you there for a reason and that he has a design for your profession? It's not just so you can pay the bills and kind of take care of some things and that's nothing wrong with that. God has something that he wants you to do in and through and around your profession. Your profession is not the secular space of your life, while what you do here is the sacred space. That doesn't exist. You, your life is the sacred space because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. So in your career, God has people he wants you to connect with. God has a a role he wants you to play in other people's lives. You realize he's doing something in all your coworkers' lives, your vendors, the people you, you buy from, the people you sell to. He, he's doing something, and he wants you to be a part of their master plan. You're not there by accident. But so often we ask, well, that's kind of my, my career, my professional stuff, and so I kind of just do what I'm supposed to do. Well, God has a design and a plan. Do you understand it? Are you following it? How about your family? You understand that God has a plan and a design for the family? The family is God's vehicle for making people, right? We saw that this illustrated this morning beautifully. And we're doing quite well at the people making, aren't we? But, but it's one thing to make the people to participate in that sacred act of creation through the, our part, procreation. It's one thing to do that. It's another thing now to actually develop and raise those people some people their whole plan on on kind of the family as well kind of take care of these kids get them through school get them out of the house and kind of get them off the payroll bye-bye see you at the holidays I mean, that's kind of as much strategic thought they give into what for god is an extremely important part of his mission and our mission god has placed people in our homes who we're called to encourage and build up, and raise. And if you're like, well, I'm a, I'm, I'm a grandparent now, so I don't have to worry about it, you know. <laughs> you think you're a grandparent, and you think, think your role is kind of to do unhealthy stuff and kind of spoil the kids and then send them home to your kids as kind of revenge, that, that's not a good plan. Just because you've raised your kids, you're not done. As a grandparent, I now have grandchildren, and God has a plan for their life. And while I'm not their parent... They have parents, and those parents play a critical role. I'm their grandparent, and I play a significant role as well. God wants me to coach. God wants me to support and encourage. God wants me to reinforce what he's doing in their lives. God wants me to do that for my kids, who are now adults, having to figure this out. And Here in the context of this family, God has a role for us. How are we doing at discerning and walking out his plan in our family? How about our finances? 
I mean, sometimes we think our finance, well, if we survive, that's good. If we get through the month and we're not too far behind, it's been a good month. God, God's, plan, God's plan is fulfilled. God be praised. That's not God's plan. God's plan for your, your gifts, your resources. It's, it's not that you would just get by. And, and by the way, he does want you to meet your needs. Well, that's biblical. We're supposed to support ourselves, earn our bread with the work of our own hands. That is a, a biblical and an honorable thing. But that's not all that our resources are for. God wants to give our resources purpose. God wants to do something with our resources. We have the opportunity to make the world a better place, to fulfill his purposes, to bless people with our resources. How about relationships? I mean, beyond our family, friendships, community. Do you know there are life-giving relationships, and then there are life-draining relationships, right? We understand the difference. God wants to give you life-giving relationships that help you as you follow him and that help you in the pursuit of his master plan. Do you know he also wants you to be a life-giving relationship? He wants you to be that kind of relationship for someone else, for others around you. Are we strategic in that as well? I like hanging out with these folks. You know, they don't bother me too much, so it's good. We hang out. See, God has a whole lot more than that for our relationships. In every one of these things, they involve decisions every day. What are we going to do with our money? What are we going to do in our work? What are we going to do with the family? Who are we going to hang out with? When are we going to go to dinner? What are we going to do? All those are decisions. And remember, building the master plan happens one decision at a time. So the question is, how do we make decisions according to his master plan? Let me give you a few ways real quickly this morning. Number one, seek God's plan for every area of your life. Seek his plan for every single area. Not just the, what we consider the sacred areas. But it's time to say, okay, Lord, I, you know, maybe even sitting here listening, you go, okay, I believe you. I, I, I think you're probably right. God probably has more for me at work than just to kind of get through the day, do the job, and go home. Because that's just, his spirit's in me. I'm there. He's given me gifts and talents. He probably has something bigger. I'm going to seek his plan for my professional life. I'm going to seek his career, his, his plan, his goal, his leadership in my career. And there's a, that's a proactive step that we seek his plan for every area of our life. For our family, we're going to begin to actually get in the word and find out what he says about family. We're going to pray together and figure out what is it that God wants my wife and I to do in the context of our kids or my husband and I to do in the context of our kids. How are we going to do that? As we pray with the kids, how does God want us to interact as a family? What does he have for us? We actively seek God's plan for every area of your life. Jeremiah 29, 11. Remember we read this a few, few weeks ago, 29, 11 through 13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And I just want to say that is completely true in every single one of your lives. That's the Lord's will. That's the Lord's desire for you. Remember, we also said how we do that is found in the next verses. How God actually facilitates this, how we discover that plan is the next few verses. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Listen, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That's how we come across. That's how we align ourselves with God's master plan. Understand that seeking him and finding him is not a one-time thing. It's not just salvation. 
Some of us think like, well, yeah, I did. I, I knew I needed a Savior, and so I accepted Jesus as Savior, and so now I'm done. I, I, I sought him. I found him. Thank you, Lord. He found me, and it's awesome. No. The fact is, he's saying, seek me and find me with all your heart. That's an ongoing thing. I'm still seeking him and his wisdom and greater understanding of who he is in my life. I've never led in my professional life, I've never led a congregation the next places that we're going to go. And so I desperately need him as much as the day we started this church, because it's new. I've never been a grandparent of a four-year-old before. You know what? Next year, I'm going to be a grandparent of a five-year-old. You know how that works, right? I have to keep seeking him, seeking wisdom, seeking growth, seeking understanding. I've never coached adult children in parenting or been a support to them before. I need his wisdom. And so on and on it goes. Think about all those areas where we get to seek him. Look at how Jesus said it in Matthew 6, 31 through 33. He says, so do not worry saying what we should eat, what we should drink, or what we should wear. For pagans run after these things. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. Aren't you glad for that? Your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. He's not saying don't eat. I'm grateful for that. He's definitely not saying don't wear clothes. Thank God for that. But you, that's, you know, the, the whole point is Jesus isn't saying don't eat. He's not saying don't have clothes or a, a roof over your head, a, a shelter or, or transportation, a car to drive to get you to work and things. He's not saying that at all. What he's saying is don't make your life all about that. Don't organize your life around these things. Seek first the kingdom. Seek him first. And the good news is, remember he said all these things will be given to you as well. He assured us, Father knows what you need. He knows you need food. He knows you need clothes. He knows you need shelter, transportation. It's the basic needs of life. He knows we need those. He's saying, don't worry. Seek first the kingdom and all those other things will come. They'll be added to you. The problem is when we flip that around and we seek those things first, they become a curse. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in this series, Master Plan, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.